Hey, thank you for joining us today. This is Rebecca Tapia, your podcast host. If you're finding any value of this podcast, please do share it and leave a review. And also, nothing discussed here is formal medical, legal, or financial advice. And this is not a patient-doctor relationship. It is really just a couple of people sitting around, or maybe just myself, discussing difficult topics related to aging parents. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Conversations About Aging Parents. I've got a special treat for you today. We are exploring the male point of view of having issues with aging parents. This podcast is going to be a little bit different. We are actually going to explore thoughts, feelings about an aging parent who you're estranged from, how that happened, how you feel about it. Um, And then we've got a really sweet treat at the end. Uh, We'll leave you on a cliffhanger. So enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. I've always been jealous of like friends of mine that their parents are so um so involved in their lives and so positive and just like these model parents and even throughout when i was in high school i would wanted to be around those people like all my friends that had parents like that i just wanted to be part of the team even if i was just the water boy I just want to be part, I want to be around them. I want to hear that, how they interact so that when I'm older and I have my own family and I have like a spouse and, and kids or, or and, a, and a house and dogs and their friends over, I, I, want, to be, I want to be like those kids so that I can know what, what it's, the, what, are they, what are the words that they're saying or what are the things that they do to, that my parents don't do. How did you know that it was different? For one, both parents were there, and I always always had one parent at home. So there was the practical fact that they had two and you had one. Right. And you were raised by a single mom. Right. I was raised by a single mom as, as at an early age. My parents got divorced when I was like five. I had a five. It was, I was five. My brother was three, and my sister was a year old. And so I always had one parent at home. Eventually, and I would, eventually he did have a stepdad. I did have a stepdad, but. It was, he would, they were married, he would move in and out of the house multiple times. And the fact that he was more of, he was, he was an alcoholic for one. And we had, I mean, issues of that on a regular basis, you know, like waking me up in the middle of the night with a, he, he would start a fire in a, in a, a pan to make the, the smoke alarms go off to test us to see if, what we would do in a real fire because he's he was drunk and wanted to see or he'd come home and, and we he wanted to play basketball because he was upset that i beat him in a game earlier that day and he wants a rematch now so it's, the model you had for yeah that was a, a husband or yeah father. at home i had i had that as a mother and a father and i wanted to be i gravitated to to friends of mine that that they had both parents home and they had they were just always there. And they were so nice. Like, they don't cuss at each other. They don't talk bad about the other person. Well, that's weird. I mean, what are they doing that they didn't do that? Or why, why won't they do that to each other? And I just like, I was so fascinated by what I would call, whatever this definition is, just normal parenting or normal you know, that, that better life, I guess. Can you talk about how you became estranged from your mom? Are you comfortable talking about that? Sure. So when I was at school, you know how, well, most people don't know this, but when you, in, back in the 90s, when you would go away to school, there would be all these these people handing out flyers for like, hey, you sign up for this credit card and, and you get you get a t-shirt and sign up, get this credit card. So and, you mean you know, college, like early college? Yeah, in yeah. college, in like the 90s. You would sign up for these credit cards and, and you'd get $1,000 or $500. And I went to school and I, I didn't have very much money. I mean, I had to go, it was all on, on grants and loans and everything. So 
I would get a credit card just so that I could have some extra spending money for, you know, what have you. And then my mom would, she'd say, oh, I'll pay it. I'll pay this, I'll pay the monthly payment. Well, stuff was, I was away at school. My mother and my mother would have, she would get those at my home, my home of record. And then she would sign up for them as well in my name. So, and she would keep the cards in her name. So she racked up close to like $10,000 in, in debt. And uh, I didn't know this until a couple years later after when I was home and I was like, there was all these, these envelopes in my name that final notice, no payment, final notice, collection, such and such. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, nothing, don't worry about that. that. Well, a couple, I, I was, a couple years on the road, I went to get a loan to try to buy a house. And they're like, well, Paul, what, what about this credit card debt? And I was like, oh no, I don't have any credit card debts. I, that's, that's, I don't have any. He's like, oh yeah, well, you, I see here there's like seven credit cards in your name. And I'm like, no, I don't have credit cards. And I was literally arguing with the loan person about this. And yeah, it turns out it was like $10,000. And um, so I called her and I confronted her. She's like, yeah, I, you know, I, I did get them in your name. And I was like, well, mom, I'm trying to buy a house. There, I can't buy the house now. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I wish there was something else I could do. And, you know, I just kind of, and I was very upset and just kind of hyped the phone and did my own thing. Well, it just happened to be at the time where I was kind of having a relationship with my father. And my father's like, Paul, it's not that I don't believe you, but I mean, anybody can say this. So if you could kind of do me a favor and let's call her and I want you to ask her the question and, and say, kind of ask her about the debt and like ask her. And uh, this is back when you had landlines and mo multiple people could be on a different line while you're on the, on one line. The old three-way calling. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was at his house. Oh, okay. I, I called from his house, but I did the star 68 so you could see the number. Um, and he was on the other phone just listening in on mute. And I asked her and she's like, Paul, look, I know I owe you the money. I just, I don't have the money right now and I, I just can't pay it. I'm sorry. You're going to have to figure something out. And I said, mom, but you understand, like, this is going to affect me for years. How could you do this? Like, it just happens, Paul, and I, I just can't help you out anymore. So I said, and I just said, okay, that's fine. So I hung up the phone and my, my father was actually crying because he's like, I can't believe she actually said that. I actually heard her. I know her voice, I know what she sounds like, that was actually her, and she said it on the phone. And ever since then, I just didn't have a relationship with her because in my mind, my mind was like, how could you steal money from your kid? I'm like, I wouldn't steal money from my dogs. I wouldn't steal, I wouldn't take their, something away from them, or much less my child, you know? I mean, I just couldn't believe that. And, I just decided, I was like, you know what? I don't want to be around a person. If she's willing to do that with no remorse, with no remorse, what else is she willing to do? I just needed to just cut it off and just say, you know what? You go your way and I do my, I go my way. Did you officially declare that? Did you like to have you ever talked to her since that day? I didn't declare it and, and I didn't physically say it. I just kind of just just said, Mom, you know what? I want to. I'm kind of do my own thing, and I'm gonna be over here. And I, it, it just. She never tried to reach out. She's never tried to reach out to me. And now that I'm, I mean, I'm going on. This is about 27 years now. I was 21 at the time, and now I'm 47. I've talked to her in the 27 years. I've talked to her a total of like four times, and it's all because of either deaths or. Well, pretty much all deaths. It was the death of an aunt, I called her. It was the death of my grandmother who, she was in the hospital and she was dying. And I went to go see her before she passed away. And that's pretty much about it. So I've talked to people who are afraid to restrain for whatever reason because of regret that their parent could pass away and they would feel like they didn't do enough and sometimes it doesn't even matter what the relationship was or if it was abusive or 
manipulative. It's like, so where, how do you think your brain is different? So you could get a phone call tomorrow saying that she passed away and you would be like, like, what was your brain saying? So to answer your first question about the regret thing, I don't, this is going to be sound very cold, but I, do, I try not to live my life in regret. I made a decision. I've decided that's the decision I'm going to stick with. And you, know, and you like your reasons? Yes. I can literally, there's about four things in my life that I've ever regretted either doing or not doing. And I've, I've because those literally four things like, man, I cannot believe I did that or I didn't do anything about that. But to answer your question, your second part of that question is that she was actually, she was actually diagnosed with cancer about a year to a year and a half ago. How did you know this? You have a brother that's still in touch with her? No. My, my, my middle brother, which is actually my brother, well, I mean, we have the both, both same parents. He'd actually reached out to me by Facebook Messenger saying, Hey, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, mom, mom has cancer, she has breast cancer and I just thought you would know. And you know, just kind of with this whole thing, which that's a whole nother podcast, my brother and I, but that's how I found out. And I don't know what stage or what, what have you, but that's, that's how I pretty much found out. And then I, I kind of. You know, I thought to myself, I was like, well, should I reach out to her? And then part of me is like, well, Paul, though, that, okay, I mean, if you reach out to her, it's because, are you reaching out to her because she has cancer? Or are you reach out, reaching out to her because she could possibly die? Or are you reaching out to her because you'll feel guilty if she dies? Or are you going to help her with her cancer? I was asking myself all these questions, like, why are you going to reach out to her? But then at the same time, I'm like, well, she hasn't reached out to me in the 27 years just to see how, how I'm doing. So why would I want to reach out to her for, because she has cancer? I mean, God willing, she, she, she caught it early enough and she lives in a, a pretty good cancer city in Houston. I mean, they have some really good cancer hospitals there. So God willing, she got a good doctor and, and she'll get past this. So I, I just kind of thought, well, I mean, that's, I hope she's, I'll pray for her and I hope she's doing good, but I don't want to reach out to her for that just because she has cancer. Do you have her contact in your phone? Do I? No, I do not. So if you were to reach out to her, what would that even look like? I would actually reach out to her sister who we and her and I had, have had contact with each other. About a year, almost two years ago, my aunt, her, her youngest sister, reached out to me to, by Facebook Messenger saying that my mother had given her two big plastic bins of, of all my photos. personal information, I mean personal photos, yearbooks, memorabilia, memorabilia yeah, for lack like of a better a word. Yeah. Um, like literally from I was a, a baby till high school, my yearbooks. And uh, she reached out to me saying, hey, your mom dropped this off, you want this? You know, you come by, I, I, the funny thing is at the time I lived like 15, 10 minutes from, away from her house, you know, your mom? no, her, my aunt, aunt my okay. aunt, where does your mom live? My aunt, my mother lives oh, in, you said Houston. in you Houston, Houston. Houston. Okay. and m most of my family lives here in San Antonio, which is another thing is that I probably have about a good, I probably have about 10 cousins and, uh, three or two aunts and an uncle that live here in San Antonio. And then my mother's and my sister and my brother, are the only ones that live in Houston, you know, or Sugarland actually. Has anybody in that family ever questioned you about it? Like your aunt, when you went to see her, did she say, no. Hey Paul, like what's going on or? No. Is that like your family culture? Like nobody's going to say, yeah, that, hey, that is the culture. They don't talk about it. They, it, it's just kind of like, that's between you two and this is between us. One of my uncles, he would, 
show up to one of the jobs that I had because he was friends, he just happened to be friends with my, one of my, my brother-in-law at the time. And he would show up to the dealership just to say hi to me. That's pretty much about, we wouldn't discuss my mother, we wouldn't discuss my sister and my brother, and uh, which I don't have a relationship with my sister and my brother as well, because they sided with my mother saying, well, well, Paul, that's your mom though. How could you do that to your mom? How could you not talk so to So you did get some pushback from um, your siblings? From one sibling, Which my one? brother. Your brother? My brother. Not your sister? My sister, not so much. We didn't, we, there was a, there's a three year age gap, three or actually four year age gap between us. So it was just different. When I was 17, she was 13. When I was 21, she was, so I, I, my brother and I had more disagreements over not talking to my mother because for other stuff as well. But they pretty much decided with her and said, hey, Paul, I mean, but she's your mom. What are you, what are you not going to have a relationship with your mom? Like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. That was my brother. It's the only one that I ever got pushed back from. How did you eventually pay that off or what happened? Like, did she ever give you any money or? No, I, um, I had to write, well, when I bought the house, I had to write to the, to the lending company saying that this was fraudulent and that I had nothing to do with this. And I had to send an affidavit saying that I did not sign up for these, these cards. So they eventually somehow like fell off your credit report? Well, or... they were written off after seven years. And at the time, the mortgage company that I was going through was a, one of my best friends from high school, his parents owned the mortgage company and they pretty much just said, you know what, we'll just look past this and we'll give you the mortgage. We'll set up the mortgage for you, of course, we'll sell it off. Um, you'll have the mortgage, no problem. What if she had called you and said, I'm really sorry, I'm working a second job to try to pay this off. What, what would that look like? I, I, I think I would have had a little bit, I would have had more um, sympathy for it. I would have had more understanding, I guess. It's so hard to, to kind of even think about what ifs because what ifs have never been an option because I mean, it's been 27 years. Do you think you're a good son? To my mother? Just, and I guess to your mom or dad. I... Is Maybe, is that a question you ask yourself? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I question if, if, if this is right. You know, I mean, I think all of us have, I, I, I have a very, I've always had a problem of, of people pleasing. I've always, I, I'm always the favorite and I love, I relish that I'm the favorite. I'm Whose the, favorite are you? I want everybody, I, I want everybody, to, I want to be the favorite to everybody. But, but who were you the favorite to? Where did you get addicted to that? My mother. I was so the oldest. Your mom's favorite? I, I was my mom's favorite until my sister came around. Because she was a girl. She was a girl, of course. I was my mom's favorite because I took care of, I took, I was, I took care of everybody else. And I could take care of her as well. What was your relationship like right before this credit card fraud thing happened? Was it strong relationship? Was it? It was, it had, had gotten, it had gotten rocky because when I left for school, my brother, I wasn't there to take care of my brother and my sister and, and the things around the house. And then also my mother as well, because my mother worked for the post office. So she's up at one, two o'clock in the morning. She'll work till she'll be at the, at the post office till noon, one, two o'clock, depending. And then she'd come home and sleep and then do this over and over again every day. So I was the parent who had to get everybody up in the morning, make sure everybody ate, and put them on the, everybody on the bus, got dressed. And then um, as I got older, I was the one that had to pick them up and drop them off and go do the grocery shopping and run the errands and, and do all that. So when I left, it was like, okay, my brother started having problems in high school 
with attendance, with authority, with, with many, very many things. And I was there to be the buffer between him and mom. And many times he, he got kicked out of the house because he was doing stupid things. He'd get arrested or he'd get caught doing stupid things, stealing or running credit cards, you know. So do you think that you were the favorite because she liked you the most or because you did the most tasks, you did the higher, highest number of necessary tasks to keep the house going? And maybe that's an unfair question. Maybe no, that's both. a perfect question. I was the favorite to her because I was, I took care of, I took care of the most check marks on, on the list. So it wasn't, Paul, you're funny, or you're smart, no. or you're kind. It's, wow, you did the dishes five times this week. Mm -hmm. And so you, you and Jen, I mean, it, it would be very easy to understand that you would develop sort of this taskmaster. It was, I would, I would even go farther and say, it wasn't taskmaster. It was, we were business partners. You handle this side, I handle this side. You take care of this, I take care of this. You handle this, I handle this. So at the end of the day, when your business partner stole money from you, mm -hmm. at least the story in your head, mm -hmm. was that she violated some trust some trust that you felt like you had earned over a period of decades. I'm a very big advocate of trust and of loyalty. In my, the way I was raised, my, my thought processes are, I don't trust words. Words are very, mean nothing to me. They are just air to me that come out of your mouth. Where actions are more, that mean 10 times, ten, to the 10th power more. And you learned that from? Just being the way I, I grew, grew up. So your family, your yes, in my family, social yes. structure. Yes, okay. yes. So they valued actions way more than? Than words, okay. yes. And then, um, and then to add on top of that, like one of her sisters, I was the favorite of this, of one of her sisters because she couldn't have children. And I just came along at a point where my mother was working a lot and I was a little boy and she would take care of me. So it was like, I was her kid at night and I was my mom's kid during the day because my mom worked nights and I was, you know, uh, I was with her at night. So was your I, mom warm or affectionate or? No, my mom. Like kind? How would you describe her? Hardened? Militant. Militant. Her, her, her idea of fun is, what are we going to clean today? What are we going to organize today? The, uh, we, we'll go, we get to, do, we'll go do this, but we have to do this first. It's tit for tat. And I have a bad habit. Personally, I have a bad habit, like, okay, we need to do this, and then we can go have fun. What, what's the warmest or highest memory you have of her? What was her best element? My bet is probably my mom, my mom's work ethic. I mean, she, she raised three kids on a civil service, a postal employee's salary and she did the best she could with what she had which i was very blessed that she worked for civil service because they have great benefits in terms of medical benefits you know we were we never whenever we went to the hospital it was like no big deal the postal service will pay for it all and she could work as little or as she could work her 40 hours or she could work 70 hours if she wanted to make extra money that was just the way the post office was back in those days. So, her work ethic is one that I, I, I hope I have a, a great work ethic, work ethic because of her. So when you look back at, at your age now, there isn't a neuron in your brain that's like, I should call her, I should reconnect, I should. I, I do have those, those thoughts and those feelings, but, I've gone to a lot of therapy sessions and about about her specifically and how she is the, the she is the voice in my head. She's constantly until about 
until probably my early 30s, she was the voice in my head. What did it sound like? Ooh, this is a road we're gonna go down. It's always like, well, Paul, you have to do it. You're an example to your brother and sister. Make sure you do it right. What am I gonna do with you, Paul? If you can't do it right, what do you, how do you expect your brother and sister to do it right? Yeah. That's rough. Hmm? So like the whole fate of your brother and sister's behavior and ethos and everything was on how you modeled for them. Mm -hmm. And you had that thought in your head, I better do this right. And that follows you until Almost. you came to a point where, how did you get that voice out of your head? A lot of therapy, a lot of, I can't, keep doing this to myself. There's more to life than that voice in my head. Um, I mean, just, just telling myself that's, that's not, it's, it's, there's gotta be more than this. There's gotta be more than this. What, what's the voice now? Is it your voice? The, the voice is mine. Now it's okay. You know, I, I don't, I don't have voices in my head. But <laughs> okay, so I wasn't I, trying to insinuate that. I, I, don't, I don't have a voice in my head, but I always have, it's almost like something on my shoulder, like, come on, Paul, you gotta suck it up. You're tired, stick it, get into another gear. You know, you, I, know you're, I know you're frustrated, it's no big deal, just focus. I, when I, I used to work for this, this youth group, where I would, I would tell kids all the time, like we'd go hunting and fishing and, and, and it would go shoot stuff and stuff like, I would say, they would get so worked up about something. I'm like, whoa, stop, 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 stop. Okay, this is supposed to be fun, okay? We're shooting clays, we're shooting shotguns. Don't get so worked up over the, over the clay to try to hit the clays. This is supposed to be fun. So let's take it back to basics. Let's just worry about following the clay, the little bead and just, do make this fun. So I have, I turn things into a game constantly in my head, like whatever it is, like, okay, let's, I say this is going to take me 20 minutes to do. Let's see if I can do it in 15 minutes. I constantly play games in my head with myself and, and like, you can't, you can't take care of this. There's no way you can do this. Okay. Well, let's, let's just try it. Let's just try it. Let's see what I can do. So that's the voice in my head that is mine now. Have you felt um, judgment from anybody in your life who has come to know that you're estranged from your mom? And I'm sure that's not something you bring up at like... No, actually, it's gonna be, this is funny, but it's actually the opposite. I have people that know one of my best friends from high school. He used to tell me all the time, he's like, you know, Paul, it's the craziest thing. I've met your mom's side of the family, and I've met your dad's side of the family. How are you so normal? <laughs> like, and, and it was a joke. I mean, I would laugh just like you laughed. I like, like, what are you talking about? Like, dude, seriously, I've met your parent, your mom's side of the family. I'm like, dude, they're crazy. And I met your dad's side. They're crazy too. How are you like normal? Whatever that means, whatever normal is. And, but no, I haven't, I haven't gotten any, no, I, I've met people that know my mother or know that side of the family, and they're like, oh, I, I, how's your mom doing? I'm like, oh, good, good. <laughs> but it's almost, it's, it's one of these things where like, they're old, old, old family friends that they went to church with long, long time ago, and they're just asking to be nice. I don't know if they're asking to be nice, if they're just asking out of obligation, just like, oh, how's your mom doing? Oh, good. Small talk. Yeah, yeah small talk. So it sounds like you were able to set a boundary, like a, a thick boundary. And it's more of a, it's like a Great Wall of China boundary. It's more than a boundary. Yeah, it, it is. You had a, you had a thought, a decision mm -hmm. that, that you had been, something had been trespassed mm -hmm. and you set the boundary and you observed it. Right. And there are a lot of people who, once you get past some of the mental drama, are jealous 
of how somebody could come to what what some people may describe as like the courage or conviction mm-hmm. that almost in a protective way, like I have been mistreated mm-hmm. and I'm going to set a boundary and observe it the rest of my life. That's actually unusual. Like yeah. a lot of the times that I'm talking to people about their parents, it's like, God, I wish I could set this boundary, but, 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 but. Like, where does that come from? I mean, we've already talked about it, but can you think of anything else, like, to people that are either wanting to set that boundary or have set the boundary and have gone back over it because... This is, this is the way... Now, this is going to sound very, very cold, very matter-of-fact. I mean, as a doctor, you, you, I think you'll, you'll get it even more, is that I consider that part, my mother and all her stuff a cancer. And what I did is I had cancer of the arm, and I cut the arm off. And to the point where I understood by cutting the arm off, I was only going to have one arm now. And if something happens to this arm, to the other arm, I can't go back and put the arm back on. So. And you knew this as it was happening. Yes. And I know it's going to be painful, and I know that that maybe as I'm older I might regret it. But as of right now, this is the best thing for me: is to cut it off and just get rid of it. So, if you had grown up as a people pleaser. How did it come about that you did sort of the opposite of that? Because a people pleaser would have been yeah. like, Mom, do you want an eighth credit card? Yeah. Sounds like you're struggling. And, and I've gotten this before. I've, I've asked myself before because I, 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 am a, I, I am a people pleaser. But it all came down to the loyalty and like to the, and like, how could you do this? I mean, you crossed the line that, that, like, I, I go back to, I would never take a, anything away from my niece and nephews, much less, I wouldn't take a piece of food away from them if they're putting it in their mouth. If, if it was the last bottle of water that we have on, the, on, on a deserted island, I'm not going to take it away from them. I'm like, just you take it, you, you're younger, you take it, I would never do that to them. But she did that to her own child, and I cannot, I cannot comprehend doing that. So it was almost like a gift in a way mm-hmm. that it was so egregious, because if it had been one credit card for a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. that might have been like. And again, maybe this is silly to go back, but like yeah. to me, it seems like the dose of disloyalty was so high. And so shocking to you mm-hmm. at that point in your life and was impacting a decision you were trying to make, which was to buy a home. It was, it was the fact that she did it. It was the fact that she, she, she acknowledged she did it and that the fact that she's not going to try to help to pay it off and that I'm just going to have to figure it out by myself. So the most painful part of the transaction for you, was it that she stole the money and committed fraud? Or was it that she wasn't going to figure out a way to make it right? Or was it, were the, those equal? Like, if you had to kind of parcel out, like, where is the, where is the, the gut punch? Is it the... That know? she wasn't going to figure, she wasn't going to help me figure this away, figure out how to fix this. So there was an abandonment mm-hmm. at the solutions point. So it sounds like it was forgivable that she made a horrible mistake and exercised poor judgment and and committed fraud and took out money. But to you, the the gut punch wasn't maybe even that. It was that when push came to shove, she wasn't going to work the extra shifts, cut back on something. I know I did it, Paul, but I can't pay you back and I can't help you. Those, that uh, sequence of words was like, wow, okay, that's fine. So if that were, made my decision a lot easier. Let's just put it that way. So if she had said, I did it, Paul, I'm really struggling right now, 
give me a week or two to figure this out. I'll see what I can do. I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't. <laughs> it sounds like you're very... That's what I, that's what I think is a, an interesting strength of... Like, you feel very confident about the way that went. And I think that that is protective, right? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people waffle over yeah. time. Or yeah. things will happen, like a cancer diagnosis, a new grandbaby, whatever. Then there's this thing. But, like, your confidence has carried you for over two decades. So, it's funny you brought up grandbaby. So, about five years ago, um, my wife and I had found out we're pregnant kind of out of the blue. I mean, I was 42, 43 years old. And after I got over the whole, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. We went to the doctor thinking that there was, there was something wrong that they were going to have to run tests. The first thing they did was run a, a pregnancy test. We're like, oh, we don't have to run those tests now. You're pregnant. And like, after that, that surprise of like, oh crap, I'm 42 years old. You're going to be a parent or 43. You're going to be a parent. One of the first things I had in my head was, that popped into my head was, I wonder if she'll come around because I'm gonna have a baby. That's, that it would be something of me. I wonder, just one of the, um, the little, like for a split second I thought, I'm curious if she would come around if, if all of a sudden I had a baby. That has my, is from me and, and she knows that, that we had a baby together. I, I was almost, I was, and I actually had this conversation with my wife, my father, and my stepmom about that. And my stepmom was like, I'm so glad you said that because I thought the same thing too. Huh. And I thought to myself, it would not surprise me that, a, because historically, you hear throughout stories that a baby changes everything. A baby changes, forgives all the sins and, and all the wrongs. Could that have, could that have, have changed everything, or could we have gone down a different road because of a baby? Man, I don't know. So, did you think of that in a positive way? Like, I, I hope this makes her come around and fixes it, or it was more neutral? Like, it was negative. It was negative. It was negative. Like, I wonder oh, if no. she'll come around now and cause drama. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't like no, maybe no, no, everything no. will be okay. No, no, no. It was like. I wonder what kind of drama she'll show, you know, because I don't know the laws, but I know that there are grandparent laws in the state of Texas, at least I think there are, and I don't know what she could do, what would she do legally? Hire an attorney, say, well, that's my grandbaby, here's my DNA, that's my son, and I want to see that baby, even if, if I have to go, I have to show up with the San Antonio Police Department or Bear County Police Department to see that baby. Like, I wouldn't put a pasture because I digress is that when my parents were divorced, she used to play all kinds of games with my, my father at the time. Like she'd say, oh yeah, come and pick him up. And she would send us to our friend's house for like the weekend or a cousin's house for the weekend saying, oh, are you coming this weekend? Oh no, they're not here. They're at, they're, they're at somebody else's house. She would always just play these manipulative games with my father, but. Um, that's another podcast, I guess. Wow. Yeah. So, did you ever get, and I know I've asked you a million questions, I won't ask you no. anymore. No. Did you ever get to a point where either from knowing her family or her talking, that you understood the context of her behavior? Yes. She was her father's favorite daughter, or favorite child. She was the favorite because she was the prettiest one, she was the most outgoing, she was the head cheerleader, dating the head football, the head football player, she was the pep squad, she was the head cheerleader, she was every, she tried, she was just most outgoing and, and she knew everybody and she, she manipulated him into, into giving her things because she was the, the favorite. And she would get a car 
because she didn't, he didn't want her, 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 his baby to, to walk to work or have friends take her to work. She, not, when I would kind of piece, the, piece things together, I'd be like, man, she was manipulating people all the time. She would manipulate my, my father. She manipulated my stepfather. It was, she would play a game in that she could, I, I, I've told my wife this before. She, we would play a game, say Uno, and she would try to beat me and I would beat her in the game. And she would make me feel bad for beating her. And so she, so she would manipulate me into feeling bad, like, I can't, you, you beat your mom? You, how could you beat my, your mom like that? I mean, you're supposed to let her win. And it was just constant, it was a constant manipulation about, she was always looking for angles, she was always looking for how to get over on somebody or, or a situation. And I learned, I learned pretty much how to do the same thing from her because I learned from the master. And I got to the point where, you know, I would, I would know when she was doing something and I would just cut it off and stop. And then when it was funny, cause I remember there was a time where she was trying to manipulate me and I caught her in it and I told her, I was like, don't try to turn this around. Well, she got so upset. She went straight to her room. She ran, ran to her room and locked the door. So then what the next time I learned, okay, I'm going to do that again. But first thing to do is run to her room and open it keep run to her room and uh, sit in her room before she gets in there. <laughs> wow. So it was almost like the teacher and the student. Now I'm the teacher because I've learned every one of your moves and I know exactly how, what you're going to do before you actually do them. Well, those sound like two very different people and, and obviously they're not, but like the pep squad leader and mm -hmm. the homecoming queen or whatever, like that whole persona and then sort of being a militant single mother, like how did those become congruent? Like, how do well, you see that? One, she, so, so for instance, just in, in your mind, keep, keep, keep this in your head. She, see, I was, when I was born, see, she, she was 20 and then she got pregnant at, or she had another baby at 22. And then at 24, as a 24 year old, she had three kids and she is single living at home. So she had to be mother and father for three children. I mean, I mean, you've had twins. How hard is it to have two babies, a one year old and a three year old, and then a five year old and you have to, it's like rounding up cats. She had to be that way. The, the, the situation dictated her to be like that. And she had to be militant in that the fact was, this house is gonna be a mess if I don't have help, somebody help me. And she used to joke around, I always wanted to use the dishwasher. And she would joke around like, why do I have to use a dishwasher? I have three dishwashers. Interesting. So I have, now you made me ask another question to give you more information. Not a problem. So your dad left your family mm -hmm. with three children age four and under. Yes. And you have a relationship with him, not a good one, but he's in your life. Yes. And so how are those reconciled? Okay. So to answer, it's, that's a hard question. That's multiple questions or multiple answers, I guess. Reconciled in, it was pretty much, it was actually my ex-wife that wanted to meet him for, for whatever odd reason. She, I told her that- So you were estranged from him as well for a period of time? Yeah. Oh, I was probably about a good, about seven, eight years, from like 15 to like 20, 21, 22. So right around the time your mom betrayed you, then yeah. like you said, your dad kind of came into your life mm -hmm. and you forgave him or didn't have any drama. Uh, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I forgave him. I wouldn't go that, that strong. I would say I wanted a parental figure in my life, and he's the lesser two evils. Ah, okay. So, so your brain thought, okay, that sucked, and I'm not talking to her anymore. At least this guy's around. He's, he's biologically a parent. And yes. I'll, I'm not going to excommunicate both. At this moment. So and it just happened to be, I was cutting one off and then one of them just happened to show up around there. To show up around the same time. It was, for lack of a better word, happenstance. I see. Okay. And so there were, that relationship existed. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point at which you were married and then your spouse wanted to meet them. Mm-hmm. And then that relationship got to be more frequent. Yeah. We, we had some uh, common interest and, and that kind of helped. And then I was living here in San Antonio, so it was easier to see him. I lived close to your house. Um, oh, I don't know if I should say that. I lived on the north side, he lives on the south side. And to go from the north side to the south side, it was 10, 15 minute drive. We'd meet for dinner at first and just kind of talk. And we kind of talked about a lot of things that my mother would do and a lot of things, hey, a lot of things that my brother would do to kind of manipulate the situation of him and I's relationship. So what does that relationship look like now? My father and I? Yeah. My father and I, his health has kind of deteriorated a lot in probably the last two years, maybe three years. And now our relationship, I keep it at a distance for, for many reasons. One, I don't really do the drama and I don't really, I don't need to know about my siblings other than my half brother. I have a half brother. It's my mom and my, my dad and my stepmother have a son and he's 16 years diff, uh, younger than I am. So we don't have that much relationship. We don't have that much in common with each other other than we're guys, but he, he's, he's getting, he just got married actually on Monday, and I've, I kind of feel like in the last year we've we've gotten a little bit closer because he's gonna be married, and I've been married, and I know what marriage life is like. So, um, and it's it's kind of it that's nice and new and kind of fresh, but him and I's relationship is is at arm's length. What you said that his health is deteriorating. What? If any expectation do you have to help take care of him? I I can't help, I can't take care of him. I don't have. I'm a very patient person. I don't have that kind of patience. What do you mean? He is a very. He's he's a very old. He's gotten very old and bitter, very rough in his old age. He he feels like everybody's kind of. Everybody just wants something from him. And I would, my, my stepmother jokes around sometimes. Sometimes I would, I, would, I, I used to work on the south side <clears throat> and I, I wouldn't come in till noon on, this, on certain days. So I'd call him and say, hey, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna come by the house and pick you up and just go to breakfast. Why? What's wrong? What happened? What do you need? Like, I'm hungry. It's like, okay, well, but why do you need me to go with you? And my mom would be in the same room like, Hey, stupid, stepmom. my stepmom, my stepmom would be in the, in the back room saying, Hey, stupid. He just wants to go eat with you. That's all I wanted. Just go have breakfast tacos with somebody and I'll eat by myself. So if a hospital called you and said, your dad's getting out of the hospital, we can't get a hold of your brother or your stepmom, your sister. Can you please come get him? What would you say? I'll go get you. You go get him. Mm-hmm. And where would you, what if he had to come home with you? That's going to be tough because I live in 900 square feet and I work in 
200 of those, I sleep in another 200. <laughs> so you've made it physically impossible for him to As of right now, yes. Okay, well that makes sense. For luckily or... For, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say luckily or it just happens to be the situation right now. I live in 952 square feet of living area. Of bliss. Of, 952 of, of, square feet. Yes. 900 plus feet of, of bliss. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing, and I, I know it's not easy. Um, I do think it's important. One of the things I want to prioritize is also getting male voices, mm -hmm. because I think it can be maybe a little bit too exclusive to kind of think of solely the, the, the female experience with this. And, and really, I mean, you're, you're married. These experiences are shared experiences between usually both partners. I, I will end with, I, I want to end with this is that I, a friend of mine actually, he posted something on, on, on Facebook one day and I didn't realize how much, you know, how much it affected me. Like, wow, a lot of my friends that are, that I grew up with, a lot of them grew up in single parent homes and a lot of them were the mothers. And he posted something about, he's married, he has kids now, and he's a basketball coach for a team in Houston. And he's saying the same thing about, about his, his players saying that a lot of his parents, a lot of his kids come from single parent home now. And that a lot of the fathers have kind of just dripped away or not involved anymore. And that he remembers how when he was a kid, he lived with his mother and he was, there was other siblings, but the only father figure around him was his coach. Because a lot of our coaches, most of them are men in most of the sports that we play. And that his, his, only male interaction for most part as a parent was his coach. And I thought the same thing too. I was like, all of my coaches that I had, I became so close to them, almost to the point where they were my father, father figures. And that, and kind of to add on to this, I mean, this is how, how small of a world this place in San Antonio is, is that my wife actually went to go, went to the dentist and she was getting her teeth cleaned by the hygienist. And the hygienist is like, oh, she's a small talk. Hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm, I'm, we used to live in Sugarland, but now I live in San Antonio. Oh, my, my husband's from Sugarland. Oh yeah, oh really? Oh wow, that's great. Well, my, where did your husband, where did your husband go to high school? Go, went to Kempner High School. My husband used to coach at Kipner High School. And it turns out that her husband is one of my old coaches. Oh, and wow. one of my one of my favorite coaches. And I I was so close to him because he taught multiple sports and he was also I think the one of the teachers my English teacher or something like that just happened to be. And him and I became very close even when I after I left school. I went back to, to a game and I just happened to see him and I was so happy to see him because I hadn't seen him in so many years. And, you know, he, but I remember him being a, just this person in my life, like that was like a father to me at the time. And my, like I said, my friend posted this and I never, it never hit me. Even at, this was by last year, I was 46 years old and never understood like, Coaches are dads, and for one reason or another, you grow up in a single parent home with a mom, and the only person that's a dad is your coach. He's gonna yell at you. He's gonna tell you that you messed up. He's gonna tell you that you did a great job. He's gonna tell you that, you know what? That was good, but a better way to do this is this. And he shows up. And he shows up to every practice and every game. And that, that thought literally just like floored me. Like I literally like, I could not believe I was 46 years old and I never thought about that. It Did just you get hit me. Did you talk to her? Who? The hygienist husband? No, um, she ended up getting another job and we, I, I, I could have reached out to him in, on Facebook, but I just, it, it was, I, was, I, I, I was like, I felt so awkward. Like 
I hadn't talked to him in years, and I didn't want to reach out to him, and I, it was just, I never did. No, I never did. But, oh, you know I'm going to have to follow up on that now. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a Father's Day Facebook Messenger post going out. Oh, yeah. Can we follow up on that? Yeah, I think, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? That, that was... Because I, I think one of the biggest joys, I don't, I don't know how old he would be by now, but it's got to be one of the biggest joys in life. And, the, and sort of these gifts that you get later, these dividends mm-hmm. of showing up for young people. Oh, yeah. Right? And then to get whatever many years later. Oh, yeah. A random Facebook message that said, you were a father figure to me when I needed it, and thank you. I mean, that could be a transformative. I was, I was a young kid, and this guy was, I mean, he was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And I thought... He was the meanest SOB when I oh messed up. <laughs> and but yet he was like I was never in the military, but I I feel he was like my drill instructor. Like he was so hard on me, but he I felt he knew he saw something in me and pushed me to be a better player a better person or a player for him to the point where like I loved every minute of it. I, lo- I and I remember him just constantly like Paul, oh, you there's a better way to do this, or come on, stay in your lane, do this, do this, do this. So, and, and there's a lot of coaches that that I would love to reach out to. Just say, oh, you are, you, you at the time, I know I probably hated you at the time, but now I, I, I thank you for everything that you did and what kind of, of, of man you were in my life. And I appreciate now that I'm an older, older individual okay so the danger of coming on my podcast uh-huh. and, I, and I know you haven't had the advantages of li- listening to the other episodes where this exact scenario happens mm-hmm. but I'm going to see if you'd be willing to reach out to them and then we're going to do a small follow-up of the impact of that communication because the way I hear this is if they even heard an ounce of the passion with which, with which you speak, mm-hmm. there's so much pain in the world. There's so much suffering. Oh yeah. And you have this little nugget in your head of this thought that could be shared in this day and age in an instant, mm-hmm. right? Assuming they're on social media. Or right, whatever, right, right, right. And maybe not everybody is, but this idea, and I kind of love this idea that, that all of us have these things that if we just said out loud, like the worst that could happen is they don't check Facebook Messenger until like a year from now or right. whatever. But like to me, how like in a world where things are expensive and time is tight, there are just very few purely beautiful mm-hmm. things that can be transformative for people that we care about. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to that mosaic idea of oh, like, yeah. you know, that mosaic, you can, you just described a mosaic, right? Which is, well, he was hard on me about this, but then he encouraged me on here. But at the end of the day, you saw the mosaic differently later in life. And, and the ability to go back and find people and connect that way with no strings attached, because you'd just be saying it because you actually feel it, which is the most genuine thing somebody could get. It's almost like that should be amplified in the world. Yes. Not in a self-serving way. This is literally a message, a private message between two people. So anyway, of course, I'll never tell you what to do, but I would love, 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 love to do a follow-up podcast just to look at what that looks like, maybe around Father's Day. There's, okay, well, I will tell you now, there's, there's about two or three coaches that I'm, 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 I would try to reach out to. One of them, um, his name is Bobby Brown, so it's going to be kind of hard. It's kind of a common name, but um, <laughs> there's some some other ones that have. They're not very common names, so I can I can I'll try to reach out to them. If and we call him Mark Zuckerberg, I bet he can find anybody. Bobby Brown. That's you know, we Bobby Browns around the world. I don't know. Houston, Texas, a coach sure. in the '80s, '90s. Yeah. Kemmerer yeah. High School. Kemmerer, yeah. Okay, okay, come on now. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I will. An alumni page or. Yeah. Come on, I, we're not being very creative, but yes, okay. Yeah, actually, that would be awesome. But. 
No pressure. No, I'll do some homework and I would definitely reach out to them as on Father's Day. As a matter of fact, that'd be perfect, actually. I will. There's about two, three that I, I, I would love to just say. I just wanted to tell you that I'm 47, about to be 48 years old, and your voice is, is I can remember your voice like it was yesterday, telling Aww. me to, to do something. There's a better way to do that, pushing me to, to be better than, than I thought I could be. So yeah, I would definitely, like I said, there's about two, three of them that I would definitely do that. As and my there, there's just some rules of the universe that that message could end up in their inbox at the exact right time. Yeah. For for them, you know. So I appreciate you looking into that. Okay. Well, we'll talk again. Okay. Thank Sounds you good. so much. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. I am here to let you know I can be found on RebeccaTapiaMD.com. You can come over there to learn about my new course launching this summer, dealing with mindset for aging parents, getting prepared, all the good stuff, sharing my opinions and life lessons. Uh, also could just join my email list so I can share more about my thoughts about these podcasts and more insights there. Thank you so much for being here.